Hello and welcome to the UK Scriptwriters Podcast. It's me, Danny Stein. And me, Tim Clegg. Um, we're here today with uh, writer and director Mustafa Kasebati. Hello! <laughs> Hello, welcome to the show, Mustafa. Thank you for having me. Thanks. Yeah, yeah no, thanks for joining us. Uh, we, we wanted to get you in today because uh, we thought it'd be really interesting to talk to you about uh, your career as a, an emerging writer and director on the UK industry scene. Um, and all the various things you've kind of achieved so far and how you're getting on. Uh, is that how you'd describe yourself, though, Mustafa? Would you just call yourself, like, uh, you know, up and coming? Or how how do you describe yourself and tell us a little bit about your career so far? You know, I, I don't know. I kind of see myself as a filmmaker. Uh, yeah. um, ultimately, you know, I just, I just, I just love films. And I, and I make films and I love all facets of that, whether it's writing, developing, working with writers, writing myself. Uh, you know, I'd love to produce eventually as well. You know, and I just love, I just love all, you know, every part of the filmmaking process. I love the business side. I love, I love the creative side. So, you know, it's, it's, it's all of those things. I just love about film, you know, developing film, nurturing film, <clears throat> working with other talent, uh, you know, a lot of the time. Yeah. Yeah. But, but at the same time, you know, I've only, you know, I've only, I made a handful of shorts, and uh, I've done a bits of television, but I'm yet, to, you know, I haven't made the the, the first feature yet. Uh, so, but you those know. are quite high level <laughs> shorts if you compare them to some of the like the shorts I've made in yeah. the past, which is just like you grab together like a couple of grand or something, and your you know, friends at the weekend, yeah, yeah, and you make you make what you can. When you say short films, you're talking about uh, sort of BFI proper funded shorts. Yeah, I you know it's I'm you know I've I've been very fortunate to be able to get support from uh, the public funding bodies for uh for the majority of my if not all of my shorts yeah all my shorts in the past uh, and that uh, is because of uh, obviously who I am the type of films that I want to make yeah uh, as well as my diverse background helps as well mm. you know there's no secret uh, in in our industry, there's a, there is a real diverse issue going on. You know, there's a diversity problem, a lack of diversity <clears throat> at the heart of the industry, whether that's behind the camera or in or in front of the camera. Uh, you know, and that's from writers, directors, producers, uh, actors, etc. Uh, and people are trying to help counteract that. You, you know, and it's you know, and it's not. It's you know, it's not. It's not doesn't just come down to uh race it's also about gender and class uh, as we as we, as, we, as we're seeing in, in the trades and the press at the moment you know it's a big issue and and there's all these voices who unfortunately are not being given the opportunity uh to be heard so you know it's how how do we do that and also how do we how do we create a way for people to sustain a career within yeah within within the industry because it's so it's so competitive yeah uh, as you, well how did you get that first um because we were talking about you if you see what i mean before you came online just like uh oh who's, who's, Who this, this, geezer? who's this geezer and we imagined that maybe before you'd done your first uh funded short but maybe you'd done some you know, small work or something beforehand mm. to send us an example. How did you even first get your foot in the door at all? Yeah, you're a young man with a <laughs> filmmaking dream. Yeah, what did you do? 
Well, it's weird, you know. Like I spent, I spent a lot of time, and this is no secret, you know. That, you know, I was trying to be a gangster in the hood, <laughs> and uh, and that didn't really pan out. I wasn't, I wasn't, I wasn't, I wasn't that fast at running away from the police. It's uh, <laughs> okay. lacking skills. Never mind. <laughs> yes, my my hood gangster rap phase just it just wasn't panning out, unfortunately. Uh, but after university, I did a I did a, like an end of year thing where it was. Uh, I studied multimedia production over at Reading, and at the end of uh, for the degree, the final year project was to do uh, an interactive DVD with uh, like, which is something that connected to a website, and something that uh, uh, yeah, something that was a music video, just something that basically that incorporated all all these kind of multimedia things that that I studied. So. so I did an interactive CD based on music, and I shot a, a music video for some of my friends, uh, an, an urban kind of rap music video, a hip hop video. Uh, so I just, yes, yeah, so I did that on very little money, you know, shot on DV cam and uh, around the 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 early two thousands. You know, it was all about TV. We had the Sony DV cams, the PD one seventy, etc., one fifties, and then we had the Sony Z ones and the and the Canon XLs, and you know, around that period. So around then, uh, so I just shot this great end of your video, and I passed, and then I entered it into a channel called Channel U, which was a kind of a startup uh, music video, urban music video. Uh, on, what on, what year was this? Just to give this, people a sense of how yeah, long these things take, you know. It was around two thousand and three, two thousand and four. So I sent the music video in, and uh, Channel U is like a kind of uh, it was it was a music channel where basically people would send in their music videos that they've shot themselves, uh, and people would vote for them on TV to get heavy rotation, etc. Yeah. So it was a great way for for obviously the business their business to make money, but it was also a great way for for up and coming acts like N Dubs uh, to get exposure and grow their their fan base. So really, I, so I shot that video. It got me a job there, and and then I was like freelancing for for there for about a year, a year two, uh, just editing their things, uh, filming their stuff. And then I think after two years, after no, after about a year and a half, they they were like, "Do you want to work for us full time?" So yeah, about a year and a half. Then I found myself uh, in their studio in in East London. Um, just filming, filming music, art, music the, the artists who, who would come down and, and uh, do interviews. I filmed the Tim Westwood show. I, I directed and uh, edited a show called The Ace and Invisible Show. The first season was like 20 episodes where we would, where we would go in conjunction with the record labels, uh, would just go all around the UK filming people who'd come over from the US, uh, like 50 Cent, uh, the Wu-Tang Clan, etc., so I so I, so I did that. We so I was there uh, directing and producing and uh, editing and doing my motion graphics and all of those things really mm. for two years. And then afterwards, I was like, man, I don't really want to just be kind of uh, put in this bubble where that's all I'm kind of doing because you know my love for film and and music etc. Is, is a lot wider than just the urban music scene. Uh, which was, you know, very niche. So I then started to, I applied, uh, what did I do after that? Uh, I can't actually bloody remember now. <laughs> oh, that's it. I got, I started running at a company called Partisan, which is a very famous, uh, well-known uh, commercials c- company 
in central London. So I was running at Partizan, you know, returning receipts, f- faxing stuff, photocopying stuff, working on sets, really just being a flying monkey, so to speak. Yeah. Uh, did that not? Really... Did that not feel like a bit of a step down? If you see what I mean, because you were there, you know, shoot doing the shooting, and you know, like you say, hanging out with uh, Fifty Cents, and now you're just a runner for you know an agency did that feel like a step down or were you prepared to do that or did you regret it or how did you feel no i felt good it didn't feel like a, it felt like a step up actually in yeah. a weird way yeah. even though i wasn't like behind the camera like channel u was uh, at the time was a very small operation with a very small budget we would be filming on like free canon excels yeah. so to speak and now you know when you're at partisan you're dealing with a ferrari a shell commercial which i worked on which was like a million pounds yeah you know, it's a huge difference, yeah. you know, and also working at that level where you're behind the scenes working with producers and you're working with uh, the other talent there, uh, you know, it's a whole different ball game, you know, and you can really see the ins, uh, the behind the scenes or from, the, from a, more of a production side uh, of the business in commercials. So I thought it was great, you know, it was, it was real hard work, but it was great. And then whilst I was working at uh, Partisan, I, got, I, I was lucky enough to get an internship at MTV. Right. So I, en- I ended up at MTV for about a year, just to, going back to the whole directing uh, and editing and producing, like behind the scenes stuff. I did a, I did a behind the scene for a Mark Ronson video, uh, which Nima. I can't pronounce his surname, uh, Nima Norza directed, uh, who went on to uh, direct Project X and that new film with Jesse Eisenberg and Kristen Stewart. I forgot it's, oh, what yeah. it's called. I know, uh, I know. Yes, yeah. yes. So, so, you know, I was I was there. Uh, so, yeah, I got, so, I was at, so then I got to MTV and it was the same thing. Filming behind the scenes, stuff, uh, editing, directing, uh, meeting artists, filming in the studio, <clears throat> and it was great, and it was really fun, you know. And I did that for for a year. Were you sort of already uh, applying, you know, for funds and not getting in, or, or making your own little, you know, narrative shorts, but keeping them to yourself, or was it like, no, I'm full on for these jobs at the at the minute? No, I think it was. Uh, you know, I would always make these music videos on my own. Right. And these music videos always had like these massive storylines. Right. Like, right. Like one of like one of them is kind of Blade Runner esque, where this where this guy has to go and find his girlfriend who's been kidnapped by a cyborg pimp. Right. In the future, and and he's turned her into a sex slave. Yeah. So as, he has, as, as you know, as normally <laughs> happens. Yeah. Happens a lot down here in Bournemouth. <laughs> <laughs> so. So, so you know, all my ideas were always narrative based, and they were always big and ambitious. Probably why I never, I never made it in music videos, right. uh, you know. Because yeah, anyway. So, um, so no, uh, you know, I was always just doing this my own stuff, my own music video stuff in the background. But I did when I found out about uh, B Free Media, which is a company which deals with Black, Asian, minority, ethnic, diverse filmmakers. They had this thing which was running for the UK Film Council where basically people would apply, and it still runs today, apply, and they would basically, uh, they, they would be in charge 
of a small pot of money from the UK Film Council scheme, which was at the t- short scheme, which was at the time basically the UK Film Council, which is now the BFI. Back then, what they had was a huge pot of money to give to short filmmakers in all the regions. And what B what the B Free Media did was uh, make it just made sure that a certain amount of that money would go to uh, BAME filmmakers, which was great. So I, you know, so I I found out about that and I was like, oh shit. Like, you know, they, they're running the UK Film Council short scheme through them. I've got to enter. And I remember I entered this this uh, a film called 82 the first time I entered. And it was about two friends in, 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 the, in, in the Israeli invasion of uh, Lebanon in Beirut in 1982. And I remember entering it and it was just so big. Yeah. I just, I wrote this thing and I was like, this is the one, this is the one. And it was, it, it was huge. And I just, back then, you know, look, we're always learning, right? Yeah. I'm still learning to today. I'm still making mistakes. I don't know. You know, I may seem like I know a lot. I've come across like I know a lot. I, I don't, you know, you know. And, and I, you know, of course, you know, I've learned through the, the journey. I've learned a lot. But all I'm saying is there's still a lot to learn. Of course. Of and, course. At, and at that time, uh, I remember entering into into the short scheme for, for the short. And it was supposed to be, you know, up to 10 minutes long blah, 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 blah. I entered, I didn't get it. And then I remembered going down to the BFI South Bank because B3 Media were having a talk for potential uh, filmmakers who were going to apply. And I heckled. He's <laughs> <laughs> one I, of those, Danny. You gangster. <laughs> I, I, I heckled uh, Mark Booth, who, who, who ran it. It's like, I entered, blah, blah, blah. Where the hell was my shit? Why didn't you choose me? You say you want to help filmmakers. You don't. Blah, 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 blah. And he's like, this we'll talk about later. But clear, but clearly he, he, he saw, look, here's a guy who's really, you know, passionate about storytelling. And then I, so then I left it a year because the year had gone and my opportunity was gone and that was just the wrong project, you know? It's just really important to be wise with any project that you're making You've got to be realistic uh, about you know what means you have, and also about where you're at, you, you know, you're in your in your personal development. So I waited a year, and then I remember I I, I left M- M- MTV, and then when I left MTV, I found myself uh, just through a friend. I, I ended up at Vertigo Films. Oh yeah, right. You know Vertigo, who who released Monsters and a host of other films, and when I was at uh, Vertigo films. I was just editing, really, for my love of editing. I was editing behind. I was basically no, actually sorry. I started running there, so I was running, doing the faxing, doing the whole da 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 da. But then they were like, "Oh shit, we we hear you could edit." I'm like, "Yeah, I can edit." They're like, "Oh shit, do you want to edit a behind the scenes uh, documentary on one of our films called Waz, which was directed by Tom Shankland, who's gone on to do amazing stuff in drama, television, and who." Um, you know, he's done great stuff. So I was like, all oh, right, wicked, I'll do it. So I started editing the behind the scenes and I had like 60 one hour uh, mini DVs to work with. So I had to go through it all, log the rushes, blah, 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 blah. So while I was at Vertigo, I was like, shit, man, this B3 Media, they're opening again and I need to come up with another a script. I need to have another script to enter. So I started writing a story called Big Tings 
about my time growing up in the hood. Yeah. And there was a scene in a car where basically a group of kids, it was very much like Larry Larry Clark's kids. There's a bunch of kids and they were about to rob a guy for his stash of weed. And there was a really tense moment in the car where the four boys were, were in the car and one of them staring out the window and there'll be brooding dark music. And I'm sure a lot of people would love to see a film like that. And, and there, was a, there was a knife in the car and it was really tense. And then uh, somebody in a car in the back let off a fart and I remember Tom Tom read it. He just burst out laughing. <laughs> he was just like, because I, I showed it to him and said, hey, Tom, you know, look, I, I really respect and I would love your opinion. And uh, I really respect you. I would love your opinion. So he he, he read it uh, graciously. And uh, and he was just like, I really love the fart joke in there. And I was like, man, I haven't seen that before. The whole kind of urban kind of funny thing. And you're so funny, Must Like, why don't you just rewrite it as a comedy? And I was like, oh, shit, man, that's a good idea. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, so I went back and then I wrote big things about two kids trying to be gangster in the hood. <laughs> and just like, you know, it was a mix of kind of Tarantino-esque, uh, you know, physical comedy. It was a love letter to John Hughes because he had, and, and all those things that I loved, you know, doing a suburban kind of, a suburban comedy. Yeah. yeah, and, yeah, yeah. and it got selected. It got selected. I was like, shit, man, B3 Media, they selected it. I was like, oh, my God, it got selected. And then, uh, and then I remember. They probably just did it to shut you up and stop you heckling. <laughs> Maybe you, you you never know, do you? Uh, and but then when I entered that short, uh, you know, like all all these talent schemes, you got to go through rounds. You know, you go through the development round, and then sixteen becomes eight, and then eight becomes four, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So then I found myself getting to the end where I think Mark Booth and the guys at B3 Media, they were real champions of me. Like I understood what I, what I had. Mark understood what I had. For other people, it was slightly alien. You know, doing an urban British comedy, I, I don't think it had been done before, you know? And I still don't, I still think Big Tins, the first short, was the first urban British kind of comedy. Um, so the UK Film Council, I'm sure they were like, what the fuck is this kind of thing, you know? But Mark championed it. Uh, in the end, I got £8,000. I shot it in five days. And at the end, it screened at the BFI. And it was like, great reception, fantastic reception. Everyone dying with laughter. Yes, it's rough around the edges. It's my first film, my first short. But, at, you know, at its heart, it deals with young people. It deals with positive messages. It deals with all those things that I love. But it also has that sense of action, adventure, uh, and entertainment. You know, it's got to be entertaining. Well, uh, that's, um, I mean, that's something that I was drawn to looking at your your different shorts is, although you don't make a big deal out of it, is that a lot of them are deal with um, not not kids like myself and Danny with our children's film, but you're dealing a lot with people coming of age and um uh teenagers those that kind of age is that a deliberate thing that you think that that's a good audience to write for or is it just that you're interested in yourself in terms of that's a difficult age so there's lots of drama and comedy in being that age i don't know man it's so weird like i think I, I'm, I, you know, those who know me, know me well, know how much of a big kid I am. I am, I am twelve, literally, right, right now. I'm so not, not the, literally, but you know. Yeah. <laughs> but, but, well, yeah, <laughs> but right now I, I am sat in, you know, Yoshi t-shirt and Marvel PJs, you, you know, and it, it was, you know, I love films like The Goonies, E.T. 
all those films of that certain period of the mid eighties that I grew up on, a lot of those films that I really love are, you know, films with kids, films with kids at the heart yeah. of them. Yeah. Uh, you know, so I guess when I, when it, when it comes to me writing and writing what I know, I do write about that time in my life, which I was still kind of working out who the hell am I? Who are my friends? Where do I fit in? And searching for kind of identity and searching for meaning and purpose in my life, but also just growing up as we all do, you know, it's a very exciting time in our lives. Yeah. Well, um, on the, on the screenwriting side of things, Mustafa, uh, mm. I mean, you know, you're coming with all your production background and editing and getting all very proficient in that, which is all great experience for director. But as you're stepping in doing and starting writing, directing your own shorts, how did you find getting your hands dirty on the screenwriting side of things? And indeed, as you've kind of got more into it, what have you found useful in terms of what's out there to kind of learn or improve as a writer? Well, I think, um, you know, I was, my dad's a journalist, so my dad's a writer, and I'm sure that's probably where some of my writing comes from. Uh, but I I was very lucky to have people to support that writing and, and, and to support uh, and nurture me. Uh, you know, I think when you're working with great development execs, script editors, and and you're coming at it from an open place and a good place and everybody's working together to help you make the best thing and you recognize that, I think that's a healthy place to be in, you know? Uh, so I was very fortunate uh, with big things or even on my next short skateboard to the spandex to have good people around me who would challenge me and challenge the script and ask questions and make me think about certain things. Like I remember when Skateboards and Spandex, my, my second short, which I wrote in three weeks, I remember, so I wrote it and then I submitted it. I was like, oh shit, uh, Big Things is now finished. The scheme is back on and they've got, I've got three weeks to enter. So I need to write something really quickly. And it's probably maybe, maybe the best thing I've written. Uh, I've, uh, so anyway, I wrote I wrote Spandex in three weeks, and then I went through that development process where I would have to, you know, I was working with notes, and the notes were great. These were good notes. These were good people. You know, I remember at the end of Spandex, there was a scene where Mo, the main kid, ends up with uh, uh, the antagonist's girlfriend. Yeah. And it just never felt right. And then I remember one of the a dealer over at B3, who was an excellent script editor development person, was like, well, I don't think we'd buy that. Why would that happen? Da, 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 da. Wouldn't he get with, wouldn't he be better if he got with someone else, like uh, the other girl? And then I was like, oh, shit, you're right. Like, you're right. Like, just always subverting the expected. Mm. You know, you know the, way you, the way you played that out, though, is really funny. It's, yeah. It's, it's a really great moment in the short. Yeah, it's a fantastic moment, isn't it? Like, I love that moment. And, and I think that's what, it's, it's you know, with, if you it's so hard isn't it man i think especially if you're like me a film junkie it's so hard i love films so much and i love certain types of films so so much that sometimes that could kind of kill your own inspiration you know because you're like oh shit these films have been done and there's nothing that's ever going to top back to the future or or or, or where whatever and sometimes they could kind of uh, uh dominate you uh so <clears throat> But it was good to be working with people like that and people, you know, continuously on to this day 
who challenge and, and, and make better decisions or, or help ask the right questions in order to, at the end, subvert the expected and, and to have something which is fresh, exciting, and also funny, you know? Yeah. At, the, at the end of the day, I, I like to have humour and comedy in the work that I do. Yeah. Uh, so a lot of my writing process, as I said, uh, I know some writers who struggle with notes, you, you know, but I guess the, the more the more experienced you become and the more things you work on, the more you embrace that process. So, you know, at first it was just me on my own, and then as I continued through uh, writing films, I've always worked with somebody else, uh, whether it's development execs or a producer, to strengthen the script. In fact, I've been doing it for the last two and a half years, now on a, on a feature project with Ken Marshall, who produced Filth, uh, which is on Channel Film Four tonight. You know, starring McAvoy, uh, and he's just been an amazing creative producer, where he's really again challenging me, challenging the script, uh, asking questions, but also problem solving. As we know, a lot of script writing is about problem solving. You know, uh, because we live in a we you know we. With the magic of cinema, you've got to, you know, you've got to suspend, you know, the suspension of disbelief comes to play, but also there's a fine line, you know, things have got to be logical within your world, uh, or else you're just going to lose the audience. So there's always that battle going on as well, you, you know. Yeah. yeah, it's in story within story. Yeah. Uh, so. Well, I remember yeah, so, when we first got to know each other online, uh, which might have probably been on Twitter, and this mm. was the time you were developing Mohammed, one of your other shorts. Yeah, and uh, we got into a chat. I uh, don't know how, but I remember you sending me the script from Mohammed. But uh, before you sent it, I got the impression that you were feeling nervous about it, or or something like that. Maybe um, because you hadn't done a lot of writing at that stage. I'm not too sure, but I remember reading it, going, "Well, this is really good. He shouldn't have any problems here," kind of thing. Thank you. Um, so, but my question was just like you know, because you had more of a kind of um, the standard direct directing route in terms of production and running. And just kind of diving into screenwriting then, which is is such a challenging format in so many ways. Um, but obviously, you're you're just kind of you've dived in, you're doing well. Your shorts have been well received. The industry shines a light on you. Uh, which came first in the industry was Guiding Lights first, or was Screen International Star of Tomorrow first? Guiding Lights. Guiding Lights was uh, first. So Guiding yeah. Lights, for those who don't know, is a annual, I think it's still going, yeah, it's still yes, going. Uh, yeah. mentoring scheme that the industry um, sets up and will choose a dozen writers or, how does it work? Is it a dozen writers and a dozen directors? Or is it no, just, I uh, think no, it's two, a dozen total, I thought. A dozen total, a, a mixture of writers and so. directors and producers. Yes. And they'll allocate you a, a really top-notch mentor uh, in the industry uh, you had I believe was it Paul Andrew Williams Paul Andrew Williams the writer director of London Brighton, London to Brighton and um, all other films he's done since yeah uh, to make his name uh, so yeah what was that like it was good it was really good like bless bless Paul you know he's such a he, he is he's a great director man murdered by my boyfriend like fucking hell man he's such a great filmmaker and he's a writer as well you know yeah He's he was fantastic because here's a guy who is a DIY filmmaker, and that's what you've got to be. You've never you you can't, you know. Don't I remember reading that Mark Duplass thing about the cavalry isn't going to come? Yeah, that's that's the truth. <laughs> you yeah. know, they are never going to come. You're always going to be on your own, uh, 
driving and developing things. Uh, you, you know, you may get to a stage where you're like at JJ Abrams and you're a bad robot and there's three or four of you, at, you know, around the table going, look at our slate and stuff. But it's always going to be self-driven. Yeah. Uh, totally. So, totally. And, Paul, and Paul Andrew Williams kind of embodied that. You know, for anybody to make four feature films in the UK, man, you've got to give that person, or maybe more now, you've got to give that guy a round of applause. Well, that's you, right. I mean, he made London to Brighton as a way to get his horror film made, wasn't it? The Cottage. Yeah, The Cottage, uh, yeah. He, so he's he just proven his worth, really. Well, you know what? It's like, I, you know, I, I, I have these moments where I realise, oh my God, I need to do a, 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 a micro-budget short film. You know, every, every now and again, I always pops in my head and I, and, I, and I run on Twitter and I go, look at these guys who've done it. Uh, ben Wheatley, Edgar Wright, uh, Paul Andrew Williams, uh, so many, Jewel, Steven Spielberg. Like, all of the filmmakers, some of the best filmmakers in the world have have started out with a micro-budget feature. Yeah. Or, sorry, a low-budget feature. Yeah. Uh, you know, and, and, and that's great. And, and I guess what Paul's, Paul's kind of can-do attitude and just the way he's driven and focused and and just the great work he makes was just a joy to be around. And also, you know, Paul's also works with Ken Marshall, who is now producer on my feature. Uh, so it's funny how sometimes these things work out. You never know what door is going to lead to what door uh, and what may come of that. So... So yeah, no, it's a great experience, and you know, Guiding Lights are great, and I can't speak highly enough of them. I know my friend Kerry Collins, also writer director, he got to shadow, uh, he got uh, Kenneth Branagh, so he got hit, so he was on the set of Thor out in out in LA. <laughs> That's ridiculous. You <laughs> know what? What is net? What is? I guess part of me says. Um, you know, the tough days are ahead for you, Mr. Stafford, a little bit, because, you know, you've had those shorts and they're where, they've got you to where you are. Um, you know, there's probably not really a bigger short than you that you could make that's sort of, you know, than Painkiller with mm. Benedict Wong in it and it's a really great short. You know, yeah. it's like the top of the short pyramid, if you see what I mean, in terms absolutely. of, yeah, yeah, as far absolutely. as I'm concerned, in terms of, like, you know, the prestige of it and so on, and the quality of it, te technically, and acting yeah. and so on. Absolutely. Now, yeah. uh, so, obviously, features got to be the next step up. But, you know, it's a bit like, it, it, it's almost like starting again. So, but then it doesn't sound like that would be something that would stop you or daunt you because all for your career you're happy to start again so to leave somewhere start again to become a runner and you know what i mean roll up your sleeves roll up your sleeves and crack on so is that your attitude to getting this feature off the ground roll up your sleeves and get on with it man every film is starting again every yeah. single film you make you've got to start from the bottom up you know you've got to go from that moment of inspiration uh, wasn't it Debbie Moon? I remember reading. She she was in a bookstore and she saw the word wolf and then yeah. she saw the word uh, blood yeah. and she put them together. You know it's you know it's, it, oh it's always about starting again. You need that one moment of inspiration and you got to see it all the way through. Years of development, you know, years of all of that journey, the script journey, and then when the script is journey is done, then it's the the kind of the finance and packaging journey. And then the journey after that is the sh is the shooting journey, and then it's the editing journey, and then it's the post journey, and then you know it's it's the release journey, and then it's maybe then it's finally done. Yeah. 
Yeah. <laughs> or, or, or it just breathes in another way. And then once once all of that is done, then, and that may be four, to, four, four years of your life, five years, eight, up to eight years of your life sometimes. Yeah. yeah. And then after you've done that, it's like, all right, where do I go from now? Unless you have, you're in a lucky position and Marvel are going, hey, do you want to do Spider-Man 7? Uh, you know, you're going to be like back to ground zero again. Yeah. And you're going to have, again, back to that moment of inspiration, back to the script, back to finding the partners, back to finding the writers, or if you're writing it yourself, back through the development, back through attaching past and packaging. And, <clears throat> yeah, you know, that's never going to end, unfortunately. You know, and, and you know, as, as, as great as, as, as sometimes we would just like to get, to get to just turn up and make the end product, uh, you know, but that's more of a kind of a director for hire in television, I guess. Yeah. Uh, kind of position where there's money involved and and it's green light and the script is there and they're casting and you jump on board, yeah. Which is a different which is a different beast, but you know, but coming from it from this kind of a screenwriter filmmaker perspective, yeah, I'm, I'm of course I'm happy to do that and I love that and and got to embrace the journey, man. I know it's so hard, isn't it? Like some people, <clears throat> oh well, I've certainly made a mistake in the past, but I'm just hungry to make the next thing or hungry. Hungry to make a feature, but it's got to be right, you know. Because if it's not right, if I, you know, it's not gonna, it's not gonna help me in any way, you know. There's no point, in, and, and and you know, you could put in twice as much short at work in a bad film uh, than in a good film. You could yeah. put in twice as much work, you know. The amount of work that you put in sometimes isn't doesn't really reflect, uh, you know, what you what you get out of it. True. You, you, so you. you what is the is it the same would we call this you know a classic mustafa type film the the feature idea you've got is it looking at the same um the same style as in little bit of drama a bit of comedy do you know mixing it up uh urban story or are you going completely different no i think uh no there's a so the film's called danger clothes and it is kind of an action adventure kind of comedy it's it's like you know the best way to i always picture people is die hard on a cul-de-sac right. and uh so it's really it's set in a suburban the suburbia that i love the john hughes world my suburbia that i love yeah and yeah it has all those elements as i said of action adventure but it's also about something it's about uh society it's about multiculturalism it's about what it means to be British or what what does it mean to be British. Uh, you know, it deals with those tough themes, you know, of identity and community and people coming together and overcoming adversity, etc. So <clears throat> we was, I was very fortunate. I remember when I had the idea. It's so interesting. You know, just, well, well, what happened was I, I had I had a project and it was kind of a superhero teen film. And I remember I took it, and I was working on it with my previous producer, Marco Bellina, and I showed it to Ken Marshall. I was like, yo, Ken, we would, we kind of would love an exec on this because we, we really want to apply to Creative England because they have development money and it's a gr- and they're dealing with first-time feature filmmaker features now and to kind of get their support on board. So I remember I showed Ken the script. He was like, well, this is too much like uh, kick-ass, but it's just UK set and it's, yeah, it's different, but 
you know, I don't feel this is the right one. Plus, you need a big budget for this. So I was like, okay, well, shit. Mm. So, so you know, as you do. So, you, so I went back and I started looking through my drawer, and I was like, oh shit, I still got this idea for Danger Clothes, which is of kind of like the Burbs. It's very like the Burbs. Mm, yeah. yeah, good, good. And I was like, oh shit. So then I showed that to Ken, and Ken was like, I fucking love this. This is the one. This could be your first film. And I was like, oh my god. You know, it was so funny because I was even at that point where my superhero team thing. It was all the way down at Creative England. I had already submitted it. They were looking at it to make a decision of whether to green light it or not. And they were they were like, "Do you believe in this?" And and a part of me was like, "There's a problem with the with the, with the premise, because there's a problem with the premise. No matter how much work I do on this, I don't think I'm going to be able to solve it." Yeah. So I said, so I said to the guys, so I withdrew the application from Creative England because uh, I just knew that it just wasn't right. You know, it wasn't, it's not right. It's not, it doesn't work. It just doesn't work. The premise, the central hook just doesn't work. So when I had Danger Clothes, I was like, yo, Ken, I want it. This is the thing. He's like, I'm on board. Then I was like, all right, cool. I want to write this. He's like, well, why don't we get some writers on board? And I was like, I was open to it. I was like, great. Yeah, let's get some writers. You know, I, you know, I think that sounds great. I'm a writer. You're a very kind of creative writer. You write in your own way as well, you know, because whenever we're talking about story, we all we all are writing, aren't we? When we're working out story beats or what characters' motivations or plot points or <clears throat> whatever, you know, we're always writing. We're writing. Even though maybe we might not be writing in final draft and writing words and dialogue, etc. when we're trying to create the, you know, the structure of the thing we're writing. Uh, so it was like, let's meet some writers. And I think we met with like 10 writers before we settled on our guys, and then we applied to Creative England, uh, who were who were amazing. Paul Ashton up there, and I remember Paul, you know, Paul Ashton and those guys. I can't again; it's a very small world, and those relationships are so important. I remember meeting Paul Ashton at a Beck Two event a couple of years prior, and I remember sitting down with Paul, and uh, he was at he was at the BBC at the time. And it was the first time I ever met him. And I sat down and he's like, what do you want to do? And I said, I want to make a British Goonies. <laughs> and, and, and that just stuck with him, you know, because how many people has he met that who that day who were going to save that or in a year or, you, you know, but, you know, as you kind of genre freaks are far and few between, you know, yeah, I true. think the majority of people in, in uh, filmmakers in the UK are more art house inclined or, you know, they're, they're more into kind of, you know, more right. mature more mature dramas, which is fine, which yeah. is great, you know, so I kind of, you know, and then I remember on Painkiller, <clears throat> Paul Ashton uh, was the exec of, of Painkiller when, when I got around to doing it, etc. Um, oh, yeah, because so that was through Writer's Room, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah, it's from the BBC Writer's Room, and it was through uh, B3 Media again. And then, lo and behold, he ends up working at Creative England as head of development. So that's a good thing, isn't it? Because like the industry is small, I think. It is. And, it is. And, don't burn bridges <coughs> is the lesson there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Don't 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 burn bridges. But also, uh <coughs> just it's just funny how 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 sometimes things work out. So anyway, we applied <coughs> and then we got selected and then we started the writing process off a treatment of an outline that I wrote. <coughs> so the boys rewrote my outline with myself and Ken Marshall heavily involved. And then we resubmitted and then we, they went to first draft and then it was our notes and then it was Creative England notes and then it was back to us and then for next draft and then it was our notes before we submitted and their notes and then nice. back to them to do the next draft and so on and so on. 
you know, which has been an, an, an amazing, it's, do you know what's so great about that? It's when you're, you're sat in a boardroom or sat, you know, sat at a table and, uh, every single person around that table wants to make the same film as you. It's fucking, it's, it's, it's magic, you know, when that happens. And I think also just having a producer like Ken Marshall, who's just really experienced has been a joy. It really has, you know, because, you know, a great producer, what they will do is, like I said, they'll challenge you, they'll challenge the writing, they'll challenge the project, they'll challenge the choices, but they're also there to protect you as well, you know, uh, from the maze, you know, because, like I said, I haven't made a feature. Uh, yeah, I've made five, four or five shorts, if you include the Sky short that I did. Uh, but support to, to surround yourself with experienced people in order to protect you and to learn from. I think my, my is it, uh, uh, Mila Kunis, she said the same thing. She said she loves, I read an interview with her once, she said, I love to surround myself with really experienced people so I can learn from them. Yeah, definitely. Uh, yeah, definitely. You, you know, and it's a great thing. So, I'm sorry, I've waffled. I completely... That's great. No, that's all right. <laughs> that's it's better good. than us having to drag it out of you. Uh, <laughs> but so, um, we, we are going to have to draw it to a... Yeah, we should wrap it up. Wrap it up and, and draw it to a close. Um, well, it's exciting times ahead, really. Yeah, just end on, like, um, boiling it all down. What would you say, just in, like, a kind of a soundbite almost, what would you say is your top tip to uh, filmmakers starting off now? They've just got, like, you know, um, just got a Canon camera, you know, a digital SLR or something they're just making some stuff what would you say to someone like that or they've just got final draft open they're just starting writing what would you say to someone like that as a kind of inspiring few words (laughs) even uh, even Creevy uh, there's one thing that he said which will always kind of stick with me and I remember hearing him at uh, Encounters and what he said was basically when he first wrote Shifty he was like, just get to the end of that first draft. Just get to the end. And Sylvester Stallone says the same thing when he talks about Rocky or, or anything that he writes. Just get to the end. And yeah, it, it, 90% of it might be garbage, you know, but just get to the end. Get to that end of that first draft, uh, you know, because then you could really, that's when the fun starts to happen. Just get it out of your system. It's not, yeah, lots of it may not work. Structurally, it may not work. Uh, you know, the theme might still, you know, might come out and then out of that, and then you know what the theme's about. Some characters may have to go, whatever, but just get to the end. My other piece of advice is don't stop writing. Always write. No matter what anybody tells you, you should always continue to write. I think it took Lawrence Castan, like how many years? Like 10 features before he, he landed uh, the Raiders or, or the or the Empire Strikes Back gig? It took, it took a while, you, you know? Just don't, just don't stop writing. You know, I think, you know, sometimes I've seen it happen where somebody tells somebody, "Oh, you're not a writer," and that can just have a detrimental effect. You know, obviously, you know, you've. I think a lot of it is down to taste as well, right? You've got to be careful about who you share your stuff to. Uh, you know, it's got to be with people. You know, I, I, I think you know, working with people who share the same taste. Uh, but also, who are going to challenge you is a good place to be in. Yeah. Uh, there's Definitely. no point in, sh- in showing your family movie to somebody who likes yeah. idiosyncratic kind of yeah. no dialogue, foreign, black and white, yeah. backwards. We've had some reviews from them. <laughs> <laughs> but, but yeah, they're not. It's, it's just it's not going to benefit you, you know. Because 
it's 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 just different, isn't it? Yeah. Exactly. Uh, but yeah, that's what I would say, man. Just keep right. making stuff, keep writing stuff. That's great piece of advice, Twain. That's good. Thank you. But yeah, we'll we'll wrap it up there. This is the UK scriptwriters podcast. We do this every month or ish. so ish. Um, so uh, catch us in a, another month's time with hopefully another interview with someone that we haven't sorted out yet uh, but you know it's going to be great um, and uh, keep in touch with myself and Danny um, via Twitter is the best way at UK Scriptwriters but we're also on uh, on Facebook alright catch you soon then listeners uh, Bye. Oh, what? oh I was going to say say goodbye oh yeah say <laughs> goodbye <laughs> see, see you later guys <laughs>